Swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now got to be a little honest with you to start off this Monday evening here on Extra Innings. A little disappointed to be on the air because when this show is on, that means the Mariners aren't playing. And as we have seen from this team over the last, what, three weeks? And I don't want these guys to ever stop playing because they have been the hottest team in baseball, 16 of 19, Eight in a row, 11 of their last 12, a sweep of the Toronto Blue Jays. Everything is coming up, Mariners, right now. And from where this team was at 29 and 39, just what, 30, what, 21 games ago? It is wild to think that just in the blink of an eye, they could turn their season completely around, an entire 180 over the last three weeks. But here we are, 45-42. and 42, The Mariners tied for the last wildcard spot in the American League. And when it looked like that was not really going to be the case, when it looked like there was no real reason for the Mariners to contend this year, and here we are. And I got to be honest, I didn't see it coming. I will be, I will raise my hand. I did not see this kind of run in this Mariners team. And I'm glad to have been proven wrong. Believe me, I am 1,000% glad to have been proven wrong because what we're seeing right now, maybe this is the true version of the Mariners. Maybe this is the version that we were promised out of spring training or, or really going into spring training because this team right now is playing at a clip that is not just fun to watch, but really kind of makes you wonder if more is possible. And and looking at what they did over this last weekend against the Toronto Blue Jays going into that series, a four-game series, a team that has had your number in the past, a team that makes their presence known year in and year out at T-Mobile Park when their fans come down in droves across the border from B.C., it, it, it is always a bit of a headache when the Blue Jays come to town, but that was not the case at any point over the weekend. It started in a funny way with Lourdes Goriel, the ball bouncing off his glove over the fence on the Dylan Moore home run. That, I think, was a little foreshadowing of what we are going to see over the course of this weekend. That game, to me, was very interesting in that the Mariners really didn't sweat that one out, and Normally against the Blue Jays, it is the opposite of that. The Blue Jays kind of have their way with the Mariners, and it's the Mariners that are kind of left backpedaling throughout the weekend. But when that home run went over the wall, uh, off the glove of Lourdes Gurriel, you wondered if that was some foreshadowing. Here's the wind-up of the 1-2. Swing and a line shot to left field. Going back, Gurriel to the one track, feeling for the wall, leaps up, off his glove and over the fence for a home run! Now, the series started with a wacky play with that home run. Mariners win game one. And on Sunday, there were a couple of instances where things really went the Mariners' way when they should not have. 
Let's start with the Sam Haggerty fielder's choice ground out that went through the wickets. Literally, it went through the glove of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Sam Haggerty up there with the bases loaded. 3-2 count. Here's the pitch of the way. Swing the ground ball back to the mound. Taken by the pitcher Phelps. Over to, to the catcher for one. Moreno's throw to first, and it gets on by Guerrero. Holy smokes. Here comes Frazier around third. He will score. They get the out on at the plate, but Frazier will score and Aaron Guerrero right past him off his glove and the Mariners get a run. It is wild to think what might this series have looked like or what might yesterday have looked like if Vladimir Guerrero's glove just doesn't fall apart in that, in, in that sequence. The Mariners don't get that run to make it a 4-2 game. They don't get the run the very next batter from Julio Rodriguez who hit the RBI infield single to make it a 4-3 ball game. The Mariners don't tie it the very next inning with Cal Raleigh's sacrifice fly, and they don't, they're don't. they not in position to win it with Carlos Santana's home run in the eighth inning, his third home run of the series. Uh, just an incredible performance from him putting the team on his back. But also another thing that if this does not go the Mariners' way, that Santana home run in the eighth inning is not for the lead, but it's for the tie. And we're talking J.P. Crawford, who skied one straight up into the air, as straight up as it could possibly be, one of the easiest outs possible on the field, but Toronto catcher Gabriel Gabriel Moreno, he had some trouble with it. Here's the look in by Simber, and now the right-handers 2-0 pitch to J.P. Swing and a pop-up. Out in front of the plate, off of the mass, the catcher is Moreno, and he drops the ball! Holy smokes! It glanced off his glove. The ball rolled over into foul territory, but he touched it in fair territory out in front of the plate, and what a break for the Mariners, one after another. And those kinds of breaks, they don't happen to teams that have have it rolling. They don't happen to teams that are struggling. They happen specifically to teams that are winning ball games. You never see losing teams get those kinds of breaks. And I, I look at where the Mariners are right now, three games above five hundred, coming off a four-game sweep, wondering if this is the real version of the Mariners. And last year they found themselves in a very eerily similar spot around Father's Day weekend. And I've talked about this before on, on Extra Innings, and it was – a series where the Mariners went in against the Tampa Bay Rays, a very accomplished team from the American League East, and the Mariners started that series below 500. They swept through four games, winning three in very dramatic fashion, just as they won three in very dramatic fashion against these against this Blue Jays team. They went above 500 for the final time that season because after that they never had a losing record the rest of the way. Are we seeing history repeat itself here in 2022? The Mariners are 45 and 42. They just swept the Blue Jays in a four-game series, an emotional four-game series, a series that was chock full of tons of moments, capped off yesterday by Carlos Santana's go-ahead two-run home run. Here's the stretch by Simber in the right-hander's 0-2 pitch to Carlos Santana. Swing and a well-hit ball, deep to right field. Back she goes, and this one is gone. Goodbye, baseball. He did it. Now, here's why I don't think history is repeating itself. Because last year, the Mariners missed the playoffs. 
they won 90 games, but they ended up missing the playoffs. This year, though, there's that extra wild card spot, which the Mariners hold control of right now. Yeah, we still have an entire second half of the season to get to after the All-Star break. There's the trade line to get trade deadline to get to. Um, but I look at this Mariners team right now, and there is a belief in each and every one of these guys from each other that I don't know if it existed in this way a year ago quite as it has this year. And I think part of it has to do with the fallout from the brawl a couple weeks ago. Um, this team has responded in ways that you would obviously hope for. They've won, I think, 11 of 14 since the brawl. Meanwhile, the Angels have just been terrible. They have not been <laughs> worthy of calling themselves a major league roster since then. And, you know, this team, this Mariners team has responded in, in such a way where you kind of wonder what will they look like at full strength if they are doing this right now, not even close to full strength. Remember, they've played the last six games without Jesse Winker, who obviously has struggled at points in this season, but was looking like he was starting to maybe turn a corner. They played the last six games without him. Their record in those games, they're 6-0, and and they swept the Padres in a two-game series. They swept the Blue Jays in a four-game series. Those are two really good teams, two teams in the hunt for the wild card in their respective leagues. So is this Mariners team for real? I ask you that question, which we will look at and we will dive into throughout this evening here on Extra Innings. But I think this Mariners team right now is answering everything we need to know about them based off of where they were three weeks ago, 29 and 39. Now they're 45 and 42, 16 of 19 since then, 16 of 19, the best 19 game stretch this team has had since the 2003 season. The last time they won more than 90 games. They won 93 that year. So, this team right now, as they currently sit, they sit in the playoffs. If the season were to end today, they would be in the playoffs. Now, obviously, it's not going to end today, so that doesn't really matter. But who would have thought that the route that they have taken to get to this point would have had so many lows and so many just winding roads to travel? We're here on July 11th looking at a Mariners team that you know is not – looking at a Mariners team that is making it known throughout the American League that they're not going to take this line down, and they have a prime opportunity to stack even more wins here in the remainder of the season's first half against a bad Nationals team and a Rangers team that isn't any good either. We have got a lot in store for you this evening. So much to get to. We will hear from Nationals beat writer Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post. That'll be in the 8 o'clock hour. Also, Sam Dykstra of MILB, MLB.com and MLB Pipeline. He's going to join me to run through the latest edition of the MLB Top 100 Prospects list. A couple of new names to watch out for in the Mariners' farm system, as well as talk some Julio Rodriguez, which, by the way, we are going to Absolutely give Julio his flowers here tonight. We'll also talk some all-star snubs, too, because, look, that is definitely the case with this Mariners roster here in 2022. Lots to get to, but before we do any of that, we bring on one of our favorites, Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. He joins me next. This is Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Joining me now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, 
obviously he's a show favorite. I say that all the time. But this guy is so good. He has chosen to delay his, the start of his vacation by about 10 to 12 minutes so that he can hop on to extra innings here to talk about this Mariners team that is on fire right now. It's Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. Brandon, uh, really appreciate you You know, saying, you know what, I don't need a vacation quite yet. i got to talk to my guy, Curtis. Hey, man, you know you know we got to do it, especially after <laughs> such a weird and eventful weekend for this Mariners team. Yeah, I mean, it was an electric atmosphere, no doubt, at T-Mobile Park over those four games uh, between the Blue Jays and the Mariners, the Mariners winning all four of them. Uh, you were there, what, Friday night? That game may be the most absurd of the four. Uh, going into 11 innings, Eugenio Suarez wins it with the walk-off. Uh, just tell me, what was it like being there for that one? Because I feel like everybody who attended at least one of these games has a completely different story to tell. <laughs> Yeah, that that was one of the weirdest games I can remember in some time. I mean, just from the start, you had George Kirby goes out there, eight-pitch first inning, you're like, okay, that this guy looks like he's going to be able to work pretty deep into the game. And then I think the next three or four innings, he had 20-plus pitches. And then you had Julio Rodriguez, his first at-bat, falling down to third base for an easy triple. And later in the game, he, he has the little uh, deke play to throw the guy out at third base. Paul Sewald got a glove that he's used for a year and a half confiscated. I mean, <laughs> there was just there was just so much going on in that game, and it was, I mean, even if that game had just gone nine innings, it was probably going to be a little over four hours. I mean, that was just a really fun, weird kind of back-and-forth game. A lot of runners stranded for both sides, and uh, I thought that was probably the – that was one of the best-pitched games from the Mariners' bullpen we've seen this year. I think that they threw six and two-thirds innings, and – only allowed one or two base runners or something like that. I mean, they just dominated the strike zone, and that was really kind of when when you go and look at why it was that the Mariners won the series and the Blue Jays didn't, I think that uh, aside from just timely hitting, you look at the bullpen. I mean, the Mariners' bullpen allowed one run, and that was Penn Murphy allowing that home run to Bo Bichette yesterday. I mean, they were just dominant. I think they threw 24 innings or something like that over these four games and just absolutely put them to bed, and it was uh, it was really good to see. It really was uh, it, just an incredible performance out of that bullpen. And really, both the starting pitching and the bullpen over the last month have, have been a revelation for this team and have lifted them out of the depths that they were in following that Angels series to now tied for the last wild card spot. And, and let's get back to the bullpen here, Brandon. And you mentioned it, just their dominance over the Blue Jays over this last weekend. And really, it hasn't been limited to just that series. Who, in your mind, has been the biggest reason for this turnaround by the bullpen? I, I'd point to, to two people, and it's uh, it's two guys we've talked about a little bit over these last few weeks, and that's Andres Munoz and Diego Castillo. Andres Munoz has just been, I mean, I, I think that over the last, I think, 10 or 11 outings that he's had, he's been maybe the most dominant pitcher in baseball. He's striking out like two-thirds or three-quarters of the guys that he's facing, and he at the beginning of the year, even though he's a hundred plus mile an hour fastball guy, that slider was in the low to mid eighties and it was, it was still a really good pitch. But he's starting that pitch a lot harder. I mean, the 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 at bat the Springer the other day on a, on Saturday, I believe it was ninety two, ninety two, ninety three with that slider all basically in the same spot. He's still getting great movement on it, even though he's added velocity to it. Uh, he's been stellar and he's shown that he can go multiple innings, which I think is uh, such a such a key thing for for any club to have a guy like that to be able to go out and dominate for more than just three outs. And then 
Diego Castillo went out and worked three days in a row for this team, all in just big pressure innings. And I thought that uh, he he's just done such a great job at the beginning of May. It just looked terrible for Diego Castillo. I mean, I think he allowed nine or ten runs in, in the span of only an inning. And since then, he's he's been lights out. So those would be the two guys that you'd kind of point to uh, as far as why this team and this bullpen have kind of turned things around. Because Paul Sewell's been pretty good all year. And, and we've talked about Penn Murphy before just being – just such a surprise as a rookie, but Castillo and Munoz, man, yeah, they've uh, they've really turned this thing around. Also, uh, with the pitching staff, the starting pitching, we're seeing them kind of move things around right now. They sent George Kirby down to get some rest uh, through the All-Star break. Do you think the Mariners need to address starting pitching, especially with the concerns of, of Kirby's workload here as the season's second half is, is just a, a couple days away? Yeah, it's a it's an inter- it's an interesting spot because they've been one of the more I guess you could say lucky teams in that their five man rotation. I mean they they've been as healthy as you can ask for. You haven't had to really move anything around up until this point. Uh, you've only had seven guys make starts for you this year, and one of those was the Penn Murphy quote unquote start where he worked I think an inning or two against the Angels in that split double header. They've been really lucky in that regard, but. Kirby's really never thrown a ton of innings. I think he threw over 100 innings once in college, and obviously the the last few years after he was drafted were a little weird because of COVID and things like that. If they could go out and and get somebody, Curtis, kind of like a Tyler Anderson last year in the sense of uh, you kind of know what you're going to get with them, but they they could potentially help you out of the bullpen for the time being. You could kind of move them around uh, as needed. Uh, somebody that kind of comes to mind would be Jose Quintana with the with the Pirates. He's having a really good year over there for Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is obviously not trying to compete anytime soon. I think that could be kind of a good uh, buy low addition for this team that could help both out of the bullpen, just because he's a he's a pretty proven arm, and he's somebody that could slot in for starts if needed. If you needed to push guys around, if you needed to to halt George Kirby's workload, if if uh, somebody ended up getting hurt, I think that could be a good addition. So Something along those lines, I think, uh, would definitely help this team. Uh, one thing that has helped this team on the offensive side of the ball, especially in the absences of, of Ty France and a couple other guys who have served suspensions over the last couple weeks, is Carlos Santana, who had a massive weekend with the go-ahead home run on Saturday, go-ahead home run on Sunday. He also added another home run in Sunday's game, three in two games, and ever since acquiring him, the Mariners are 11-1. and Now, I don't know if that's necessarily due to Santana's presence, but it is a nice little happenstance that is, has occurred since his acquisition. Brandon, what has Santana's addition to this lineup meant, Not, I guess not just on the scoreboard, but, but really in that dugout too? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty well known at this point that he and Julio Rodriguez are pretty tight. Sounds like they they work out in the off season, and that's kind of a a cool little thing for Julio to learn from somebody who's a 13 year MLB veteran. He's obviously a, a phenomenal hitter and uh, has been a really good player in this league for some time. And uh, as far as just like the the lineup aspect of it goes, he's just kind of a stabilizing force. You kind of know what you're going to get with him. He'll he'll run into some balls like he did, but uh, you always hear about. Jerry Depoto and Scott Service talking about controlling a strike zone, and and that's what Carlos Santana does. He he doesn't strike out a ton. He he works just a lot of walks. He's got a really good feel for the zone. He makes a lot of contact, and he's been making some pretty good hard contact over the last month and a half or so, uh, both for the Royals and then for the Mariners when when that trade happens. So 
I think that with with having guys like Winker and uh, and Crawford out for a little bit, just getting that extra bat in there certainly helps. And uh, I mean, something that when this team was at its worst, with with the injuries piling up and everything, the we we always talked about like this lineup's not long enough. This lineup's not long enough. And having Santana and Francis your first base DH types for for the time being, and you're going to get a few outfielders back and some big bats. I mean. You're 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 going to have a, a a plethora of, of pretty good hitters for the middle of your lineup and potentially even coming off of your bench and that's something that when they were rolling out Abraham Toro and Dylan Moore when when neither of them were really getting going for for about a month or so uh, it seemed like a pipe dream right but uh, it's uh, it's definitely going to be helping this team going forward it's already paid dividends in a big way and uh, it's going to be fun to see what Santana and and the rest of that lineup look like when you're getting Haniger and Lewis back presumably by the end of the month. Yeah, I mean that uh, the possibilities you start dreaming about them, and all of a sudden it, it makes this run feel like uh, just kind of a, a appetizer for what could be in the season's second half. Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports dot com joining me here for just a few more moments on extra innings. Brandon, I got to know what was your first reaction when you heard the news that Julio Rodriguez a had made the All Star team, but he was the only Mariners All Star. Uh, well, as far as Julio super super well deserved i mean uh if you go look at the numbers comparing him to the other american league outfielders in terms of just war and total bases and obviously he's he's been one of the league's best in stolen bases he's playing a great outfield it's super well deserved you you assume it's going to be the first of many i mean he's he's a young star and he's going to be probably the face of this franchise for for a very long time and one of the faces of the league for a long time based on how the start of his career is gone um but as far as him being the only one, um, I, I kind of had a feeling that Gilbert, Logan Gilbert, would be left out because there's just so many really good starting pitchers. And, and Gilbert hasn't been bad over the last month, month and a half, but the ERA's ticked up a little bit. He's been hit a little harder. So I wasn't super surprised by his omission. But Ty France not making it is a, is a travesty. <laughs> I mean, they, the, Amer- the American League roster only has two people listed as first baseman one of them is vladimir guerrero jr who won the popular vote which wasn't super surprising big name i mean second in mvp voting last year and he's the only first baseman and the only team in canada right he had a whole country taking his side in that race but uh luis arise is a great hitter for the minnesota twins i think he leads the american league in batting average uh we've seen him a few times when the mariners have played minnesota and he's a great hitter he's a great ball player but him being listed as a first baseman when he's only played, I think, 30, 33 games at, at first base. He's kind of a utility guy. That was a little surprising, um, seeing some of the other names that, that made it over Ty France. A uh, little surprising, too. Uh, I know that Jordan Alvarez, the designated hitter for the Astros, just went on the injured list yesterday. So hopefully that could open the door for Ty France to, to get in there. I mean, you have to assume that he would be one of the next guys on that list, even though he was on the IL for for about two or three weeks, but the numbers stack up. He, he's in, he's one of the best hitters in the American leagues, one of the best hitters in baseball. So hopefully he's able to, to, to make that. And I know that uh, he, he talked to Salk about this a few weeks ago. He, he's from Southern California. He's, he said he grew up about 30 minutes from LA. Uh, it would mean a lot to him to, to make the all-star game at Dodger stadium. So hopefully that's able to happen. Yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully cooler heads will prevail and, and Ty France will make it to the All-Star game. He is Brandon Gustafson. You can follow him on Twitter at TheBGustafson. Read his work at SeattleSports.com. Brandon, appreciate you joining me, as you always do, and you have yourself a great, well-earned vacation. Appreciate it, C-Rod. 
Hey, make sure you're downloading the Extra Innings podcast on seattlesports.com. That's where you can find every hour of every single show here on Seattle Sports Station right at your fingertips every single day. Coming up next, all-star snubs, all-star reactions with Ryan Roland-Smith and myself, Julio Rodriguez. We give him his flowers, but also talk about the injustice of it all with Ty France not making the American League roster. That's coming your way next year on Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings Inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. The stretch and the pitch. Swing and a well-hit ball deep to left field going to the Western Metal Supply Company. Goodbye baseball upper deck. The top terrace. In left field down the line. Holy smokes, the kid did it again. Julio Rodriguez with his 15th home run of the season. They have three patio terraces in front of that brick building, that beautiful brown brick building in left field, the corner here at Petco Park. And Julio Rodriguez hits it way up top. A two-run home run, and the Mariners now lead the Padres four to nothing. This kid is amazing. One of the signature moments of Julio Rodriguez's first half of his first Major League Baseball season, a first half that caps off in his first All-Star nod, which he received on Sunday midway through that game. An incredible ovation received for him after that was announcement was made. And look, I mean, he is absolutely deserving of his all-star spot. There is no doubt about that. Everything that he has accomplished in this first half of the season should have resulted in an all-star nod, and that's exactly what happened yesterday. Now, Ty France, unfortunately, his snub, that will not take away from Julio Rodriguez and what he did in this first half. Julio's deserving. But I think Ty France was very deserving as well as getting his first all-star nod. In fact, myself and Ryan Roland-Smith, we joined forces on yesterday's post-game show to discuss the announcement of Julio as the Mariners' lone all-star. And while how great Julio has been in this first half of the year, there may be a couple other guys on this Mariners roster deserving of spots too. What a deserving honor it is for the rookie. He has been just a complete revelation this season and very, very deserving. I'm joined now by Ryan Roland-Smith here on the postgame show. Ryan, we will get to the snubs a little bit later, but no let's problem. talk about, yeah, because there are a couple guys that you can make a very solid case yeah. for uh, on this American League All-Star team that wear Seattle Mariners uniforms, but Julio Rodriguez, slam dunk, no doubt All-Star just kind of the cherry on top of the first season or the first half of the first season for him. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, you go back to spring training, obviously makes the team out of spring training. That was the first thing, like, is he going to make the team? And then all of a sudden you start thinking to yourself, okay, is he going to be the rookie of the year? Who's he up against? Is he that caliber of play? We knew he was special, but is he really special? Is he someone that you, you hear a lot about because because the Seattle Mariners front office is so excited about, about their farm team and, uh, far, you know, everyone down on the farm and everything else. And then, all of a sudden, I'd say, what, six weeks ago, you start changing the conversation from rookie of the year to, man, he's in the same sentences as Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, when you're talking about production. I mean, and you rattle off some numbers here, first in stolen base, second in hits. This is among outfielders um, you know, in his group. So third in OPS, fourth in extra base hits, fourth in WRC+. Plus. I mean, I mean, he's literally top five in literally so many categories. It's insane for him, rookie season, 
to be doing what he's doing, not to mention some of the defensive numbers as well that I don't have in front of me. But, man, he, he, it's, it's been we're, – we're witnessing – Something really special here. And it's going to be like that for a long time. And that was the biggest concern about him coming into his rookie season is how would he manage playing yeah. center field on an everyday basis, something he had not done in the minor leagues until this year. And he has more than held his own. He has been a, a net positive for the Mariners out in center field. Ryan, I want to ask you about Julio. When Looking back on when he was first called up in spring training, has he met your expectations or exceeded them? It exceeded by far. When we heard all about the upgrades he made with speed, okay, what, you know, how much of an upgrade? Are we just talking, oh, he's running faster. Well, guess what? He's, he's leading the league in stolen bases and then and transitions from someone who could be his ceilings a corner outfielder to now a center fielder. So that's one, you know, expectation that just, you know, blew everyone away, I think. And then on top of that, I think when when you have a guy with that kind of exit velocity that you're watching in spring training, you, and I've been there before, you've seen plenty of spring training, you think to yourself, okay, all right, how's this going to translate into into the season? Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, the first couple of weeks, he's getting no fastballs, he's swinging a lot, but he starts to come down. And then all of a sudden, we know about the umpire squeezing him a little bit. He deals with all that and comes out to some of the numbers he's seeing now. It, to, it by far exceeded, exceeded expectations. Yeah, and his numbers right now are, are basically without the help of the month of April, where yeah. he didn't have a home run, had just a handful of RBIs, and from about May 1st onward, I mean, we're looking at a, a guy that would be in the MVP conversation, yeah. I think, had he had those kinds of months in the month of April, and yet here we are in, in July 10th saying, yeah, he's a slam dunk all-star. Now let's get to <laughs> the guys who did not receive that call today. Yeah. Ty France, I think, is is chief among the snubs on the Mariners roster, and I think Logan Gilbert is probably another one that you could make a solid case for for an appearance at the All-Star game. Now, there is a chance that these two guys could make it to the All-Star game as injury replacements or in case of Gilbert if, if a couple of starting pitchers pitch too close to the game, which is going to be played on a Tuesday. But, Ryan, let's get to Ty France first. Yeah. Your colleague at Root Sports, Angie Mentink, had an incredible thread on Twitter that I just kept going back to throughout the game, just mm-hmm. outlining the case for Ty France as an all-star. And it is so hard to see somebody put together a first half like that and still not get the respect of, of people who clearly are not here watching Mariners baseball every day. Yeah, and, and the thing that gets me is when you go, and, and I voted a few times, and you go on and you take a look, and, and the way it's lined up, you look at the voting – you see Vladimir Guerrero, you see Ty France. So you start you know, glancing some different numbers and what have you, the, 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 the surface numbers. It's Vlad Jr., Ty France. Now all of a sudden the argument could be, well, you know, Luis Arise comes in. Well, he plays first, but well, he's played. And, and Angie had the, tw- the, the what, did, what do you call it, the tweet thread or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, see, we were sitting there, we were talking about it, and Alex Merrick came up and, and presented some numbers to us, which just, again, just – you know, pour, pour gasoline on the fire, basically. When you're t- looking at a rise, and I know Angie mentioned this, but 43% of the time at first base. Then you look at some of the defensive runs saved as well. He, Ty France, in that category, is third among AL first basemen's defensive runs saved um, with, with a number of two. A rise is my, a negative one. So, and again, mind you, he's only played 43%. Again, that's the same argument you make. When you're looking at the voting, Ty France was second in voting. All of a sudden, they announced that Vlad Jr. is starting. 
and now whatever it gets reset or whatever the system, however it works, and here he is sitting sitting out watching. It's just to me, it's insane. I mean, I've got numbers for days to rattle off to make the case for it. I just things like this. Look, I know I was talking to Grant Balfour, a good buddy of mine, earlier. He said, "Listen, man. He goes, they miss guys all the time. He goes, he's been, you know, he played ten plus years in the big leagues. Every year, you're in the clubhouse consoling someone because they they didn't get picked. That's just the way it goes." But I think just with this, when you look at everything he did and the the, ad, the things he added to this team, and now look at the position they're in, to not be going to the game. Now, hopefully, Jordan Alvarez came down with an injury. Hopefully, they add him, and we're all good. But it, it, was, it, was, a bit, it was a shocker for me. Absolutely, it was. And uh, you mentioned guys get snubbed all the time that are very deserving. I mean, look at last year's American League Cy Young winner. Robbie yeah. Ray was not an all-star. He was an all-star, ago, yeah. And he won the Cy Young Award. That's a big swing and a miss by, yeah. by voters, uh, not just fans. Well, pitchers don't Pitching's get voted on by fans. They get voted by the commissioner's office, and that was a big miss by them. Uh, another guy who had a very deserving case of making it, Logan Gilbert, who coming into today was tied for the lead in wins in the American League with 10, uh, had an ERA sub-3. Now, his last about three or four starts haven't been the same dominant ones that we saw from him over the course of uh, April and May when he was winning American League Pitcher of the Month in the, in, in the month of April. But still, the totality of his work, I think, would be very much in consideration. Now, obviously, when you're talking about snubs, who do you take off these American League rosters? Because you can't add somebody without yeah. taking somebody off. But still, I, I mean, a guy having that kind of first half, uh, it makes you wonder, like, what else do I have to do to make this team? Yeah, you're looking at second in wins behind Justin Verlander. You mentioned the wins part. Whether wins and losses matter, it, yeah. you, can, you can make a case for any number in this situation, new ones, old ones, either way. ERA, you're looking at uh, he's, he's fifth in ERA for starting pitchers. Innings pitched. I mean, I can rattle off numbers all day here. Fourth in innings pitched. All these rock-solid numbers that you look at, and before you even dive into some of the, the stack cast numbers or, or, or you know, some of the, the advanced numbers, you're thinking to yourself, hold on a minute. All right, how do you keep them off? But I haven't, I, I'll be honest with you, I still haven't had a good deep dive into the guys who have made it in front of him. I know they do have to pick some, some bullpen arms. I get that. But for the, for the most part, it's usually, what, 70% starting pitchers. And you think to yourself, okay, well, how does he kind of, how does he get skipped out with that? And then you're, obviously you got the each team has to have a participant and, and everything else. So that that was a, that was a, a tough one for me. I think Ty France really blew me away. I haven't done a deep dive into the Logan Gilbert comparisons just yet, but I just it's I go back to this all the time. When you play on the West Coast, it's a lot tougher when it comes to fan voting, when it comes to the commissioner's office, when it comes to being prime time in people's faces. That's just obviously that's the way of the world. It's so crazy, but that's kind of the way it goes. And you think to yourself, hey, look, the experts see all the teams. Of course they do. But when you uh, at, when it's 10 o'clock at night and you get to watch someone get the eyeball test, you're just not sitting up watching at 10 o'clock at night. You're not watching Logan Gilbert get through the fifth inning and punch out three dudes at you know midnight. That's just not the way it goes. You've got to get back up. And, get, and I'm talking about the, the experts, the, the, the professionals here who make these decisions. So it's always tough on, on the West Coast. But, man, and, and another snub for sure. Well, speaking of Julio Rodriguez, one of the best to ever cover the game of baseball and also one of the most recognizable voices around the game of baseball. That'd be ESPN's Tim Kirkchin stopped by with our very own Mike Salk earlier today to discuss the greatness of Julio out of the gate and just what he sees from this Mariners team. When we return, we'll take a listen to part of that conversation here on Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. 
You're listening to Extra Innings Inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Hour two of Extra Innings is going to be chock full of illustrious guests. Starting off the hour, we've got Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post to give us a perspective of the Washington Nationals, the Mariners' next opponent, which they begin a short two-game series tomorrow night from Nationals Park. Pre-game show starts at 3. First pitch is at 4.05 right here on Seattle Sports Station, the Mariners Radio Network. And also at 8.30, we've got Sam Dykstra of MLB Pipeline. He will join the show to discuss the latest movement in the MLB Top 100 prospects list, including a brand new name that Mariners fans should get familiar with. Also in that hour, we're going to take a listen to Bob Nightingale, USA Today columnist, he joined Bump and Stacy today. Plenty of MLB insiders galore over the last 24 hours here on Seattle Sports Station. But right now we're going to take a listen to one of the most respected minds in the game of baseball and what he had to say on this Mariners team. Tim Kirkjian, the Hall of Famer, the newly minted Hall of Famer, the guy who's going to get his induction this summer out at Cooperstown. He joined our very own Mike Salk earlier this morning to dive into what makes Julio so special in his rookie year and also what he sees in the trade market this summer. Well, I see a tremendous all-around athlete who is so young and so good already. It's it's pretty scary. I mean, the, the power, obviously, of 15 homers is pretty darned impressive. But then you add in, you know, 21 stolen bases. And we start looking at players this young, rookies, to have homers and stolen bases like this at this stage of the rookie year is a pretty small list. And then you watch him play the outfield, you watch him run, you watch him throw, you watch him do everything. And he's just a breathtaking athlete. And, you know, we all heard about him. I heard about him. We've heard about him for years. And he got off to a slow start, which makes it even more impressive that he labored there as anyone would the first two or three weeks of the season. But, man, has he figured it out. He really has been fun to watch. Uh, I was kind of going through the list of guys who were who were all stars by the age of twenty one, and it's quite the who's who's list of of the best players in the game today. Uh, I asked David Schoenfield this earlier, but I'll ask you as well. Do you think that's what we are headed towards with Julio? Well, I think he's going to be one of the best players in the game if he isn't already very very soon. And again, to to do this at such a young age is the really impressive part. He's not 25, and to to be able to figure it out this quickly is just remarkable. So there's no telling where he's going to go with this kind of skill set. And from everything I know about him, he's a really great kid, meaning this is not going to go to his head. He's not going to get all caught up in things. He's really well-grounded, and sky's the limit for this guy. He'll be one of the best players in the game for a long time. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. A couple of, what was it, last month, he was named Rookie of the Month for the first time, and um, he did a whole bunch of interviews for that, as you might imagine. He was on TV, et cetera. And, and then he kind of had a rough night that night. He had one of his worst nights of the year, which, you know, have been pretty few and far between. And we talked to DePoto about it later that week, and he was like, oh, yeah, Julio actually, after that game, or said, hey, I, I want to make sure I step back and away from all that, that he felt like he had lost his rhythm, his routine, and his focus. And the next day, he was like right back to being Julio again. So when you mention the maturity, it, it's fairly shocking when you watch him in person. 
Yeah, and again, that's the really impressive part because I, I've run into a lot of young players in my time, and our young players have really changed the way they go about things. When a young player 40 years ago, when I first started covering, would get to the big leagues and say, okay, I finally made it here. What do I have to do to stay here? Some of our young players get to the big leagues now and say, well, I made it to the big leagues. What are you going to do for me now? He's the opposite of that. He's the 40-year throwback. He's the guy who's saying, all right, I made it here, and I just want to get established here, but what do I have to do to stay here and be a great player? And that's where the maturity comes in at such a young age. Hey, you're going to be, uh, you'll be here in Seattle for the All-Star Game next year. We're uh, just about a year away from having the All-Star Game in Seattle. Do you remember the 2001 All-Star Game here? Uh, of course. I've been to every one starting with 1982. 2001 was tremendous. Uh, Cal Ripken, Tony Gwynn, the whole switching of positions, everything. It was just fantastic. And any summer day, any summer week in Seattle, count me in. Trust me. Well, unfortunately, there hasn't been like a lot of reason for you to be here over the last I don't know twenty years since then, uh, as the Mariners just haven't you know played up to that level. But you know what we're seeing now, you know I want to talk through this team in particular and not just Julio. We're about three weeks away from the trade deadline. Um, they seem like they could use a starting pitcher. They seem like they could use a second baseman. What is uh, what is the market shaping up to look like as we head into the end of July? Well, I don't think it's going to be a great market for impact hitters. So I don't think they're going to get a second baseman that's going to turn things around here. There are going to be some pitchers available, but and Frankie Montas of the A's certainly is one of them, but he's got a shoulder issue. It's not major, but it's enough that it might put a damper on the trade deadline regarding him. Luis Castillo, of course, of the Reds, an all-star, is available, and he's throwing exceptionally well right now. But the line to get him will be very, very long because he is he is one difference maker for me that could go and turn a maybe a non-contender into a contender and maybe a contender into a champion. That's how good he is. My guess is uh, the Mariners won't end up with him, but it's always worth a try because you need a pitcher, and you always need relievers down the stretch. I think a bunch of relievers will move. Just not sure there's that huge impact bat and maybe only one big-time pitcher that might go at the deadline. Yeah, and, and there may be in a nice spot for that where you know they're going to get Hanniger and Lewis back here in the next couple of weeks. They may not need to go get that impact bat. Uh, and maybe they don't even need a front-line starting pitcher, but... The idea, I mean, so far they've only had six pitchers start games for them this year regularly in the rotation, and they have yet to have a a starting pitcher injury. I don't know how many teams have made it all the way in baseball with, like, you know, one group of pitchers in the last 20 years, but I'm guessing it's not many. It's a very, very small group, and even to have only six starting pitchers at the All-Star break is remarkable in this day and age when other teams have used 30 pitchers already, not all starters, but it's just unbelievable how many pitchers go down, how many get hurt. And this is a real tribute to the Mariners that they've kept these guys healthy and on their regular turn, which is maybe why they're starting to play a whole lot better is they're getting really good starting pitching as well as a bunch of other things are going right right now also. 
Well, I'll tell you what, it, it, it really has been fun for all of us. I was realizing uh, that, it, as I said, it's been a while since we've spoken. I haven't had a chance to congratulate you uh, on the Hall of Fame uh, award. It's such a it's such a great honor. What did that mean to you? Well, it's it's the greatest it's the greatest honor of my professional life. And there's really not a close second. I've been completely overwhelmed and overpowered by the whole experience. I, a couple of friends of mine, Jason Stark, Dan Shaughnessy, they told me, if you win this, be prepared for this. And I, I still haven't been prepared. It's just been way, way bigger than I thought it was going to be. And I'm, I'm just so honored. And, uh, I, the induction for the players is a week from Sunday and, I'll be honored a week from Saturday, and I'm scared to death. But I, I just have to get through that in one piece. I hope I, uh, I hope I can do my speech properly, and I hope I conduct myself properly because the pressure there is just enormous. But it is such an honor. I just want to, I just want to do my best. Who was your favorite ball player growing up? Well, I grew up in in Bethesda, Maryland, outside of D.C., so the Senators were my team. So Eddie Brinkman, the shortstop, and Frank Howard, the big left fielder, were my guys. But in the big scheme, Willie Mays was the greatest player I'd ever seen and still is the greatest player I've ever seen. And being 65 years old, mid-60s, we got a color TV. Willie Mays hit a home run to lead off the All-Star game in 1965, and I was – mesmerized after that and i still am he was the greatest combination of power speed and defense that the game had ever seen when he broke in in 1951 and i still think he is the greatest combination of power speed and defense i wrote a huge story on him last year when he turned 90 and ken griffey jr was so good when i spoke to him about william h just called him the godfather of center fielders Mm. And that's a pretty good way to put it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other guys who have that combination. Obviously, Junior was one. I mean, Ricky Henderson would certainly be in that conversation. It's it's he's way too early to have the conversation, but that's I think one of the reasons we're so excited about Julio right now. And I'm not comparing him to Willie Mays or any of those guys yet, but it's that combination of of things that that sets some of those guys apart. Yeah, again, size and speed are a tremendous combination. And Julio has both of those to be that strong and to be able to run like that. You know, this, this is what I keep trying to tell people. I have never in the last 11 years seen this kind of influx of great young players who aren't just great, but they're big, they're strong, they're athletic, and they're ready when they get here. It's, it started with Trout and Harper and every year somebody else comes in and you just look at it and say, how can you be this good this early? That's Julio Rodriguez this year. Lofty praise from one of the best to ever cover the game. We go next to Washington, D.C., Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post. He joins me on Extra Innings for a look at this Nationals team, the team that the Mariners are slated to play next to see if they can run their win streak to nine, maybe even ten games over the next couple of nights. More to come on Extra Innings. Don't go anywhere. I'm Curtis Rogers. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network.